Testament, book of Joshua. Thank you. I'd like to talk to you today about the abundant life. For those of you who have a good study Bible, uh, it may say that the book of Joshua in the Old Testament is runs parallel to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. Uh, it's the, uh, the book of the Bible that, that teaches us how to walk into the blessings of God. Jesus said in John 10.10 this, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. Eternal life. You know, all of us uh, that have accepted Christ as our Savior, uh, we don't ever have to worry about laying our head down on the pillow at night, going to sleep, uh, because it would be a wonderful blessing to wake up in heaven, amen, to be with the Lord. And we have that assurance. But you know, Jesus said, I'm not only come to give you eternal life, I'm come to give you abundant life, and that means right here and now, a life of purpose. Uh, a life that makes a difference in the lives of your family and the lives of the family, the, the other people that you're connected with. So, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. I like to underline things in my Bible, and I hope that you'll get into that practice too, because what happens is when you read it back the next time and the next time, it, it kind of means more to you, you the, the, the highlights. Arise and go over this Jordan, that's what to underline. You and all this people, to the land which I'm giving you, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea forward. Uh, going down of the sun shall your territory be. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now that's another sentence worth underlining there because that that particular statement travels down through time. Uh, they needed it, and so do we. The presence of God. God says, listen, I'm not leaving you. I was with Moses. That's the same way I'm going to be with you. Now, he encourages Joshua. He gives him strength here. He says, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do, according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Joshua, you're going to be in charge now, and the thing I want you to put uppermost in your mind is you have to do the things that are written in the law of Moses. Not only read them, not only think about them, not only meditate on them, but actually do them. My servant commanded you, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do. Notice that again, to do. 
The aim of the law of God for them back in that day was for them to do it, not just for them to hear it. To do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Uh, the Lord is saying to Joshua, listen, this enterprise that I'm sending you out on is to be an enterprise of success. I think this, God wants every single one of us to be spiritually successful. Uh, and he goes on. Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here we find the call of God to Joshua. Uh, he's to take the people that have just, they've just spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. And a whole generation of people without faith have died in the wilderness. A new generation of people have, has, have arisen. And Joshua says, okay, now it's time to go into the promised land. Now that correlates with our earthly destination. Where does God want you to go and where does God want me to go? He wants us to go into the promised land, the land of his promises. He wants us to see the promises of God and he wants us to realize that they are for us. That generation is past. Moses is dead. Uh, he did his work. Now we have a whole new generation. You have to learn the same lessons. You have to get out there and claim my promises, just like Moses did. Uh, the Apostle Paul referred to something like this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He said this, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect or mature. Paul said, listen, I haven't, I haven't experienced everything that God has for me yet. I'm not fully developed but I follow after, I keep striving in that direction, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul said, I want to lay my hands on the purpose for which God laid his hands on me. And so most of you know the story of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. He was kind of making his way along one day, doing his evil thing, and God reached down and got his attention and apprehended him. Paul said, my goal right now is to find out really what God did that, why he did that to me. Why did he call me? And so as we read the Old Testament and as we compare it with the New Testament, we find, hey, we know why God's called us. He's called us to enter the promised land. Not just to be satisfied, follow me, not just to be satisfied with leaving Egypt. I've talked to many people, so have you. And, uh, you know, they are saved. They can, they can remember the time, the experience, the euphoria of it all. But it was a long time ago that they came out of Egypt. And they've been like directionless almost, wandering around in the wilderness, looking over into the promised land, but never going there. Our destination is the promised land. Uh, we sang songs about it years ago. I'm bound for the promised land of come and go with me. I'm bound for the promised land. And some of those songs referred to the promised land as heaven. 
Well, in the Bible, the promised land is not heaven. It is the mature Christian life. That's what it is. It's a life of purpose and meaning. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul talks about the journey through the wilderness. And he said, these things become our examples. In other words, I want you to read the Old Testament. I want you to know the stories of the Bible. Because they are an example to you and to me. That we should not lust, he said, after evil things like they did. Remember, they paid the price of sin and disobeying God. God took from them the opportunity of going into the promised land. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, Now all these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And so as we read the Old Testament, God says, Listen, I've kept all this thing here for a purpose. They're examples. I want you to get the message. The promised land is our earthly destination. It's not heaven. It's our earthly destination. I think almost everybody in this room today uh, has started out in Egypt. Uh, It's a type of the world. We were locked into bondage. We didn't know any better. We followed the philosophy of the world, but God provided a way out. He brought somebody into our life. He allowed a circumstance to happen that caught our attention. And uh, we began to realize, hey, I need God in my life. I need out of this mess I'm in. I need to be delivered. And we made that step. Uh, The Irish missionary to India, Amy Carmichael, called what you and I do as glorious raids into the kingdom of darkness. Uh, That's what the promised land is. It's a kingdom of darkness where God wants to spread his light. And the way he spreads his light is through you, through me. Uh, When we cross over the border, certainly not heaven. Whenever a person comes to Christ, a few weeks later, a few months later, they say, hey, you know, this isn't heaven yet. We're not there. We're in the promised land, though. And that means the victorious Christian life. A life that makes a difference in the lives of other people. Uh, Remember... uh, Caleb and Joshua knew the difference. They knew what was in the promised land. Remember, they were part of those original 12 spies that were sent up earlier. And Caleb and Joshua came back and they said, Hey, listen, that land flows with milk and honey. They have grapes over there so big that you have to carry them on your shoulders. Uh, And uh, I think we should go up there and take that land right now. But there were 10 other spies that said, Listen, we're afraid. The people up there are giants and we are like grasshoppers in their sight. We're afraid. And they they spread doom among the other people and unbelief prevailed. And you know, when unbelief prevails, good things don't happen. They really don't. Well, Joshua is a leader here. He's a type of Jesus. In fact, The Greek name Jesus simply translates the Hebrew name Joshua. Their names are identical. Whatever Israel received in the promised land, they received from the hand of Joshua. And whatever you receive from God, we receive through Jesus Christ, our Joshua. Let's think first of all this morning about Moses and Joshua. God's purpose runs through the ages. 
the scripture here opens talking about Moses dying. It goes from one generation to another. Just look at Ancestry.com. Some of you have been on there lately. Somebody after the first service said, I just got into that. I can't, I'm addicted to it right now. You know, you go to Ancestry.com and you put your name in there and you know, you know that person. And you go back a few other people and you say, oh, I barely know that person. And then you go back and it, it kind of opens up like that. And you say, I don't know any of those people. But they were real people, just like you, just like me. And so God was using them back in that day. That was their day. Now, uh, there are two dimensions of salvation. First of all, out of, out of bondage. And Moses was faithful to lead the people out of bondage. He really was. And in the last part of Deuteronomy, God conducted his funeral service. He was uh, 120 years old. Time for him to leave planet Earth. Psalm 116, verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I think God looks forward to gathering you, me, and others to heaven. Uh, he wants us to come and be even more personal with him than we are right now. Uh, the nation had been grieving the loss of Moses, a 30-day period of grieving. And then after that period of grieving, God begins to speak to Joshua. And he says, listen, the first dimension of salvation is to get out of Egypt. The second dimension of salvation is go into the blessing that God has prepared for you. Israel, I'm going to give you a homeland, an identity, a security. I was just reading the other day on the Internet that uh, Jews in the nation of France are immigrating to Israel at a fantastic pace. Actually, France has the third largest Jewish population, second only, of course, to Israel and the United States. But they are fleeing France right now because there is so much anti-Semitism in Europe. They're going back to their homeland. They're going back to their place of security in Israel. Well, Joshua was a type of a person that God could use. I just want to share a few thoughts with you about that. Here in the Bible, it says he was Moses' assistant. He was a faithful minister. He'd been serving for some time. Uh, and uh, I found it interesting that he was born in Egypt. He grew up as a slave in the brickfields of Egypt. He attended the school of hard what? Knox. Just like some of you did. You know, I'm convinced that's the best school. I really am. You know, people talk about their schools and they say, well, how about this school? How about that school? Um, you know, and we look at situations sometimes and we say, well, you know, uh, this person went to the school of hard knocks. To me, that's a plus. It really is. That's a plus in a person's life. Because they've been down through the hard spots of life and they came out. And they learn from it. And they appreciate the blessings. Uh, that was Joshua. He wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was a slave. Uh, he helped others in his life. He was a servant of Moses. Matthew 20, verse 26 says this, Yet it shall not be so among you that whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. You know, I think that you can never be so happy as being a servant. You know that? Just serving. 
A lot of servants never think about leadership. They just hope they never have to do it, that's all. And so I think Joshua was pretty secure in saying, hey, listen, I just want to be a servant of Moses. And, and then all of a sudden, God tapped him on the shoulder and said, okay, now it's your turn. It seems so natural to believe the oft-repeated statement, God helps those who help themselves. But Christian philosophy says God helps those who help other people. And so here's Joshua, born in the school of hard knocks, a minister to Moses, just an assistant. Uh, and he's just happy in his business and he's doing his thing and he's being faithful. Socrates told his students, know yourself. Epictetus, a Greek philosopher, said, control yourself. Jesus told his disciples, lose yourself. Give your life away. You know, people who hold on to their life really lose it. And people who give it away gain it. That's the philosophy of the Bible. Uh, he was a person of faith. Remember, he and Caleb were just uh, two spies, two lonely sentinels of God's truth at one time. But, but uh, Joshua and Caleb kept in their heart the faith that God would one day take them into the land. And so now, after 40 years, God says, okay, get ready, Joshua. Here it is. Arise and go. Uh, the blessings of God are in front of you. And let me say this. Salvation is a wonderful experience. We can never, ever, ever say enough about how wonderful it is to be born again. Amen? We can never say enough good things about that because that's the beginning. You can't get to the destination unless you start. And so when we are washed in the blood of Christ, we start the journey. Uh, but that's just part of the journey. The abundant Christian life awaits us. And so what, what God does here is he gives three assurances to Joshua he, to encourage him. First of all, he said, remember God's promise, this land belongs to you. So Joshua is going to cross over the border and go into the promised land. And God says, now listen, God has given you this land. He promised it to you. You know, it's a good thing to base our forward progress on the promises of God. Uh, these people are out there. They're living on your land. Now, did God have the right to give Israel this land when someone else was living on it? He did. Psalm 24, 1 says this, The earth is the Lord and the fullness there, thereof and everything in it. That means that God owns everybody's land. He's in charge, not us. He allows us to live on a certain piece of property for some time, but it all belongs to him. And so God says, listen, it's time to give this piece of property new ownership. And I don't know whether he mentioned to Joshua or not all the promises in the book of Genesis to Joshua's predecessors concerning the land. Genesis 12, 1, remember when God sent Abraham, he said, listen, I'm sending you out into a new land. And Abraham said, okay, what is that land? He said, just keep marching and I'll show it to you. Genesis 13, Abraham, you see all this land? I'm going to give it to you and your descendants forever. Genesis 15, I'm going to, he gives the dimensions of the land. Genesis 17, I'm giving you this land as an everlasting possession. Genesis 22, uh, I, you're going to possess the gates of the enemies. Genesis 26, Genesis 28, Genesis 35, all these promises. Joshua, when you cross that river, 
I want to remind you that God has promised you this land and God keeps his promises. So I can see Joshua kind of getting a little strength in his back right now saying, oh, okay, okay, that's a good thing. Now, how are we going to connect the book of Joshua and the book of Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God didn't single any of those people out going into the land and saying, Now, listen, uh, he said it's all for you. And so what we do is we carry that over into the New Testament and we, we apply it to our life and we say this, the spiritual blessings in the Bible are all for you. And I know sometimes we look at people around us and we say, oh, that person, he really has an edge on spiritual things. God is really blessing that lady. Well, God wants to bless every single person and he wants to give every single person all of his blessings. Ephesians 1, 3. And so he says, listen, uh, God's promised you the land. And then he said, God's promised you some power too for your own spiritual strength. And that power is through the word of God. Let's look at it here. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses has commanded you. If you do that, you'll be prosperous. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. And so what's he saying? He's saying that, you know, the law of Moses, I want you to stick that under your arm, Joshua. And I I want you to do this. I want you to talk about God's word. I want it always to be in your mouth. Let it not depart from your mouth. Just think of all the things that we talk about in life. You know, we're good talkers, aren't we? We talk about sports, you know. Particular sports, you can't be shut up, can you? I mean, you just go on and on. Uh, He says to Joshua, I want you to talk about the word of God. And that's exactly what Deuteronomy 6 says. Uh, And then he says, I want you to meditate on it day and night. And that means to think about it. Fill your mind up with it. And I want to encourage you today. Joshua was leading the nation of Israel, but I'll tell you what. You're leading some people too. And these same principles that work for Joshua will work for you. You fill your mind up with the things of God. Meditate on these things day and night. David said in Psalm 119, verse 11, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Always be trying to put more of the word of God in your mind. Think about it. Meditate on it. And then, last but not least, do it. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So, so this is the plan. Talk about the Bible. I find this uh, fun to do, personally. Think about it. I like to do that. Uh, Sometimes I struggle with doing some of it, don't you? We pick out this portion, and we say, well, I'll do that. And then we pick out another portion, and we say, well, I don't think I'll, I'll do that. 
But uh, God wants us to do what we read. Uh, and, and, if we don't, and if we don't do that, the Bible says we will deceive ourselves. We don't want to do that. Uh, and so he says, listen, if you cherish the law of Moses like that, you're going to be prosperous. And then the last thing he talks about is God's presence. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He says, listen, uh, this, this you never have to worry about. I'll always be with you. Remember, God threatened Moses not to go with him as he took the people through the wilderness. And Moses put his feet in the ground and said, God, listen, I'm not going there unless you're going with me. And God said, okay, I'll go with you. Moses knew the importance of having God's presence in his life. Uh, he's, and uh, he said, listen, I won't leave you or forsake you. He said, the place of, uh, all you have to do is go out, and this is how simple it is. And this challenges me a lot. All you have to do is go out and put your foot on the property you want. And that simply means claim it by faith, and God will win the victory for you. God will win the victory for you. And that's, the, that's what we do with the promises of God. We step out, we're afraid. He said, I'm with you. Okay, Lord, are you still there? Is God still here? I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. Make another step. Well, now, the, nation, uh, the, the city of Jericho was, uh, was a great example of this. These big high walls... This fortified city. You know what God said? Just march around it. That's all. March. Day after day, they just marched around it. And people said, look at those people. And then all of a sudden, what happened? The wall came down. Now, the book of Joshua is a picture of our spiritual journey. There are giants out there. And in their sight, we are grasshoppers. But God is bigger than all. And he said, you just trust me. You put this in your heart. And I'll go with you. And you just put your foot down. And then watch the walls come down. The walls of addiction. The walls of abuse. All the giants in your life. They will fall if you step out in faith. And you're going to succeed in your battle. This is the word of the Lord. God is the source of our victory, but there is human responsibility. You know, I believe today that we can expect God to do for us what he did for our fathers. Ancestry.com. Travel back and somebody will say, oh, my grandfather was a Christian leader. And we talk about that history. Well, one of these days, people are going to be talking about the history that happens right now. Because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He's the same. Well, years ago, a certain Englishman moved to the United States. Soon after he arrived, he dropped out of sight. One day, his uncle in England died and left him about $5 million. Scotland Yard went out trying to locate this man. Uh, who had an address somewhere in Chicago. They searched for him but never found him. Later, 
I heard that he was found one morning frozen to death in an entryway of a cheap hotel. He couldn't afford 25 cents for a room, although he was an heir to $5 million. He didn't claim what was his. Uh, he didn't lay hold of what belonged to him. And so I want to warn you and encourage you today. Uh, there are Christians that are, they can remember the time, the date, the experience when they accepted Christ. But today they wander in the wilderness uh, rather than going in to the promised land. All of these blessings are for you. And I want to encourage you to claim these promises from God. Rely upon his power and experience his presence. Let's go into the promised land and see some giants fall. Let's bow our heads in prayer. What are the giants in your life? What are the things that are controlling you, the obstacles? Well, listen, you and God are a majority. Those barriers can fall down very quickly if you walk by faith and go across that river and say, Lord, I'm trusting you. I know you're the source of my power. You're the source of my victory, not me. Gentlemen, please prepare for to serve the offering. Uh, excuse me, serve the communion today. And as the men prepare to serve communion, uh, let me encourage you as we sit here with our heads bowed to look down into our heart and uh, to see what's, what's going on there today. Uh, where are you? If you're here today and you're saved, that's a wonderful thing. But if you're not, I encourage you to accept Christ as your Savior. Open your heart to Christ today. Invite him in. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and give you a new life. And start on this journey. And maybe you're a Christian here today and you've been wandering and you're, you're a little bit aimless because you haven't been loving and talking and meditating on God's word, getting direction for the journey. Well, let's change that. And let's step in and let's, let's begin to see, see some big things happen in your life spiritually. Men, go to work and let those co-workers see a different guy. Somebody who's growing, somebody who's learning. Dear Lord, as we come now to partake of communion in our church this, this morning, we thank you for dying upon the cross for our sins, for providing the redemptive price your blood. And we pray now that as we take of this first symbol, this first element of the bread, the broken bread, that you will just uh, help us to be more appreciative than ever of what you did for us upon the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.